1: Today, we're talking about public libraries, the places where many of us fell in love with books. Back in my day, we had to earn the right to use the library. Our local librarian put us kids through a boot camp on the Dewey Decimal System. You couldn't check out a book until you had it down pat. It was hard, but worth it. Libraries are places where you can immerse yourself in the past or travel to the future, depending on what you're reading. They contain all these markers of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Nashville's main library also offers a version of time travel through exhibits. The newest is called Moments from the Movement. It's set to open next Tuesday, the 28th. My first guest knows all about it. Ed Brown is the public information officer at the Nashville Public Library, and he joins us now. Ed, thanks for being here, and welcome to This is Nashville. Hey, appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a, real, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Really good to have you here with us. So, okay, let's start with the Moments from the Movement exhibit. What movement are we talking about
0: here? We are talking about the Civil Rights Movement. So just an overview of what led to this. Um, the story is pretty well familiar in Nashville, but maybe for the listeners, this is new. In 1963, our own Deputy Mayor, Brenda Haywood, joined with three other black girls to desegregate Stratford High School in East Nashville. And so flash forward, you know, some almost 60 years later, and we are adding her to our civil rights collection. What we have is um, a collection of different artifacts from that time in Nashville. So newspaper clippings, photographs, oral histories, where we actually have people who were either involved directly or impacted by the movement come and share their story from that time. And Brenda was nice enough to come and share hers with us, so we'll be adding it to uh, our oral history. And Moments from the Movement specifically is a new exhibit that we're curating at the main library on our second-floor mezzanine, and it's kind of a half-and-half. So on the one side of it is going to be photos and um, historic photos and new ones of Deborah, and then you transition as you walk around into actual photos from our civil rights movement so for our civil rights collection. So you're going to see figures like John Lewis, mm. Diane Nash, Martin Luther King, who were in Nashville and leading this movement at the time. So it's something we're really excited to share with Nashville. And it's something we're really looking forward to launching next Tuesday um, for the grand premiere. And then that, that exhibit will actually be up for several months to follow. So everybody's got a chance to come and check it out. Why do this exhibit now? Well, again, because, you know, uh, Deborah was kind enough to commit to it. It's Black History Month so it's the perfect time to unveil a collection like this and I mean let's face it is there ever a bad time to mm. do something like this there mm-hmm. isn't so it's an opportunity now for us to capstone Black History Month with something very endearing to tell a story that's well known but in a new way and hopefully open it so that more people who weren't aware of the collection before what they can find in it can come and check it out for themselves so tell
1: us tell me what what makes this unique from other exhibits other exhibits that The library has done in the past
0: well so this one was internally curated so this is all stuff that we shot we produced or we maintained so the civil rights collection and um you know i know elliot robinson will be on speak a little bit more about this in depth later but you know we maintain that collection so these photographs these newspaper clippings all of that is stored at our main library so we really Mm -hmm. pulled from what we have internally and put this thing together. In the past, you know, we've worked with um, maybe photographers or artists in the community, so it's Nashville-based. But this is something unique for us in that this entire collection is our material, mm-hmm. you know, that we want to share with the community. It's it's not ours in the sense of you know, um, like it's it's locked mm-hmm. under you know it's kept under lock and key. We don't even want anybody to see it, but it's it's something that we we manage for the community. So we're excited to be able to share that in such a a really public and a really cool way. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. So, okay, moving on.
1: We know that libraries are a place where people can borrow books. Mm -hmm. And if you're of a certain age, CDs. I mean, one of our producers even remembers checking out vinyl records from their local library way back in the day. You guys are offering something called the Library of Things.
0: Pretty interesting. What is that? So the Library of Things is a new collection. We just launched it uh, just shy of two weeks ago. But it's a collection of common household and other items that folks can check out and keep for up to three weeks. So when we say useful things, we're talking about stuff like ice cream makers. We're talking about things like kettlebells, indoor air quality monitors, radon detectors, Um bongos, ukuleles, kabasas. Okay. So it's just the screwdriver sets, right? So it's an assortment of what we call useful things, right? Um, so yeah, and that's why we call them things, the library of things, because they are useful things.
1: How long can someone check uh, a kettlebell out for it, us say?
0: So up to three weeks, and then if there are no pending holds, which a hold is just a reservation, like you know, a queue or a wait line builds up, But if there are no pending holds on an item, we can actually automatically extend that to you up to three times. So Mm. three weeks minimum, potentially longer. It just depends on how the wait wait list is shaping up. What are some of the hottest items being checked out? So some of them we kind of anticipated. Uh, The ukuleles, we thought those would prove popular. Those have all been checked out. Um, The ice cream maker Mm -hmm. was almost immediately checked out, and the wait list is building. And then there were some things that we were we you know we we didn't stack anything thinking oh this will never stock or we wouldn't have put it in but that surprised us so the you know, the indoor air quality monitor the radon detector we've got a couple copies of those but both of those items already have more than one hundred holds on them so it's been really interesting um, the collection has been very successful in the sense that within a few days of it launching most of it was checked out and we already have. Uh, waitlist building for folks to check it out so we're we're very pleased with how it's been received you know i'm guessing that
1: there are a few listeners out there thinking that's nice and all but why like
0: why lend these kinds of items so yeah so there's there's kind of three things we're looking at when we're talking about the value of this collection and answering that question well, it's cool, but why a public library? Mm -hmm. Y'all are about books because we do get that perception a lot. And I'll tell you, it comes down to three things. So the first one is libraries are about equal access, okay? Public to information and resources. So when you're talking about access, typically we've, you know, when people think library, they think books, right? But in our case, that includes these things as well. So Right now, you know, that's part of the motto of this collection is, why buy when you can borrow? Mm. And we mean that. So if it's something where potentially you're just wanting to try before you buy something, say, for example, let's talk about the kettlebell. Maybe you're getting into weightlifting or CrossFit, something that incorporates that kettlebell. You've never used one before. You might be thinking, man, that's, you know, those things are 50, 100 bucks. If I go down to wherever, a sports store, I don't know if that's a solid investment right now. Okay. Come check it out through three weeks. Three weeks. Do a couple of fitness sessions. See if it's for you. So try them before you buy. And on the flip side of that is borrowing. Why you know if you don't have to buy, if you can borrow, we want to be able to provide that. So for example, uh, one of the items is a bake pan set. Okay. Okay. Typically, we know folks stock that at home, but. Maybe you need some extra ones. Maybe you're doing a bake, you know, like a, a bake sale to raise money. Or you're cooking for your church or your community group and you need a few extras, but you don't want to, you know, dish out for a whole new bake, bake pan set that you won't need more than a day or two. Come check out ours. Use them, clean them up, and return them. So that's point one is the access and the saving money portion. Part two is we see it as an extension of the reason we keep books, right? It's all about education and access. So, for example... Um, I like to use the ice cream maker before. Yeah. Come to the library. Check on a, check out a book about making homemade ice cream, learn to do it for yourself. Now we actually give you the tool where you can apply what you're reading in a hands-on manner. So still check out that book, but then try it on the ice cream maker. You can also check out, right? And Mm -hmm. some of them have more practical applications like a screw, a, a screwdriver said, okay, that's home repair. That's woodworking. So it's an extension of that, um, that philosophy of this is a place about education and access. So that's point two. And then the final point is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the final point is we want people to understand that because there is this, I feel like there's a misconception in, in, in Nashville, but all cities really where there are public libraries. If I'm not a book lover, the library has no place for me. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely not true. Um, So you were talking you got schooled in the dually decimal system before you were able to come in. A, we don't do that. But B, it's not not all about books. We are here to provide things that the community finds beneficial and useful and things of that nature. So we're hoping what this collection showcases for people who may have been on the fence about coming to NPL or never considered it before is, oh, I'm not a book lover, but that's okay. The library is still a place for me.
1: That, I really like that and the why buy when you can borrow mantra. Mm-hmm. You need to have that and maybe the local car dealership. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> one day. One day. <laughs> you know, we, we've had some spring-like weather in this past week, and I, I'm sure I can speak for a lot of us and say that we're looking forward to much warmer days. I know there's a lot of gardeners out there who are excited about another program that the library offers, the Seed Exchange. Can you tell us how that works?
0: Yeah, so Seed Exchange has a very simple premise. It is... Borrow seeds, grow seeds, return seeds. And Hmm. breaking that down, it's just like it sounds. So you can come into our hosting locations and actually check out seeds for different types of plants, which what we have available is on a rotational basis, um, just based on availability. But you come check those out, just like you would, you know, a book. You take them home. You plant them. You grow them. You bring in your harvest, and then you collect some of the seeds from your harvest, bring it back to us so we can share them with other folks. Okay. So it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a seed exchange where Nashville meets us halfway in terms of we're giving out some seeds and we're getting some back to keep keep this gardening ecosystem going in Nashville. So that's the primary drive of seed exchange, but it's also an educational program. So we have partnerships with a couple of local and state level organizations and they come in and they t- they just talk about how to improve your garden. Gardening tips, intro to gardening, mm-hmm. um, how to conserve, you know, water conservation when you're gardening, all these different aspects. So it is, a, it really is a well rounded educational and lending service for folks who want to see, a, you know, try out their green thumb.
1: All right. I like that. Now, last year, the city's public access television network, NECAT, became a part of the main library. How is that transition going?
0: It's going really well. You know, um, when we were asked, hey, would you guys be interested in? bringing Kneecat into the fold as part of NPL, we were like, absolutely. Because, again, we see Kneecat as a natural extension of what our core mission is in any way, right? Access and education. Because what does Kneecat do? They teach people to produce their own television shows, right? Mm -hmm. They teach them how to do uh, videography, lighting design, audio mixing, all these things, you know, that I'm sure you're familiar with in the radio business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and just teach folks how to do that. And then they take that a step further and they can air these programs, right? So folks can see what's being produced in Nashville. And so, you know, you don't have to have money to come in and do this. You don't have to have experience. It's just like if you come into the library already and you're wanting to learn how to garden, you go to seed exchange. Well, if you're interested in TV production, you go to NECAT. So that exchange that, that integration has been going extremely well. And in fact, um, back in November... We actually had some community uh, meetings to talk to different stakeholders in the community and see, okay, well, we've got this TV network now. This is an opportunity not only for us to integrate, but also you to tell us what you'd like to see coming out of NECAT. How can we maximize how it's, be, how it's benefiting the community to have this TV station be a part of NPL. So it's been going really well. We're really excited to keep developing it and see where it goes in the future.
1: It'll be interesting to see the programs that people create for themselves. Now, you know, the public library offers, offers a vital resources for a lot of different communities. What are some of the ways that the
0: library supports people who are experiencing homelessness? That's a good question, and I'll tell you it comes down to three things. So while we're not experts in... Um, especially seeking like affordable housing, those things, what we can do is serve as an information hub to both learn about resources that are out there and connect with people. So for example, um, if you go on our website, we do maintain what we call the, um, what we call the housing education corner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's online obviously, but it's also, we have pamphlets and other documents available at some of our locations. So we have folks who come in and we could say, hey, you know, if you need help with housing or you need a place to spend the night or you need um, access to, like, restroom or shower facilities, we can connect people with those resources. So serving as an information hub to get people where they need to go to improve their situation, that's part one. Part two is, you know, and this has been a part of NPL for a very long time, but public access computers, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a library card holder. You don't have to be a regular patron at NPL. You can come in check on a computer because so much is online now. So when you're applying for things like affordable housing or maybe a, um, a home loan or something of that nature, or you need to pull your credit report. You can come in, access our computers and do those things at our sites at our 21 locations. And then the final thing is just honestly, a place of shelter, yeah. right? Because everyone's welcome at the library, card holder, book lover or not, you're welcome there. Whether you have a dime in your pocket or not, you're welcome there. Mm-hmm. So if it's raining, or the weather's getting cold or hot or whatever the case may be, we're always glad to welcome in people who just need a break from the elements for a little while. So those are really the three ways that we do our best to help those who you know, are unhoused or homeless and looking to improve their situation just in any way we can. Ed Brown is the public information officer at
1: the Nashville Public Library. Oh, before I let you go, Ed, real quick. Did I hear that the library did away with fees, right?
0: Late yeah, fees? and that's that has been some years back. So, yeah, there are no late fees at NPL. So if you've uh, if you've got that book and you've had it to about, you know, a week or two longer than you should have, man, don't worry about it. Just bring it back. No harm, no foul.
1: All right. I hear a lot of people out there are going to be dusting off those old library books again. Ed Brown is the public information officer at the Nashville Public Library. Ed, thanks again so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks. <laughs> We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll check out some more of the traditional uses for libraries and how they've been updated. Do you use the public library? How often do you visit? Tweet us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colona, and this is Nashville. Today, we're talking about the vital, multifaceted, and this is important, free community resource known as public libraries. Before the break, we learned about the new moments from the Movement exhibit at the Nashville's main library downtown. Now, let's take a look at what other libraries in the area have to offer people of Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Joining me now is Brad Walker, director of Magnus Public Library in McMinnville. Brad, thank you so much for being with us today. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. McMinnville
2: is a. I appreciate you asking. Really
1: appreciate you being here. You know, McMinnville is a lovely town with a tight knit community. A big shout out to Bill Zekman and the Rotary Club. Let me ask you this the services you offer are pretty important for the folks who live there, right?
2: Yes. We, being a rural area, we tend to help support a lot of the lower income, but everyone in town uses the library. Being a close knit community, we know a lot of the people within our community i talk to most of the people that come in and out of our library just to keep a feel of what's going on with the library the needs that we are should be meeting and doing like ed was talking about our internet services are one of our big things now we don't have an employment center here anymore, so a lot of the people come in and use our computers to do employment. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of them that do their Social Security work and things like that.
1: What are some of the other services that people come to use? Uh,
2: one of the big things right now is a lot of people are using the Read system that the State Library and um, offers because it gives you access to your local library's cards to, I think it's over 400,000 books, e-audios and things like that, that a lot of people are wanting. Even if they're not checking books out from the library itself, they're using their card to check books out from the state library system. Mm -hmm. But we also have a very large genealogy room that a lot of people use. We get a lot of tourists coming through the area using the genealogy room.
1: I want to ask you, I want to ask you about that. Sorry for cutting you off. I want to ask you about that a little bit later, but... You know, I wonder about the older members
2: of the community.
1: Do they use the library pretty frequently?
2: They tend to be some of our uh, constants. They tend to come in because sometimes we have some of them that we're the only contact they have during Mm -hmm. the week a lot of times. Mm -hmm. They know they can come in and they get the large print books. They'll stop and talk to us, ask us what's out, what's the good bestsellers and things. But A lot of people don't realize libraries tend to be a place for people that don't get a lot of contact from family or don't have a lot of friends and they feel safe here and they come in and they talk to us a lot. We had a gentleman that disappeared for two weeks that came in twice a week. And we finally tracked down his daughter to find out he had fell and broke his leg. Mm. He lives here in town by himself. His daughter lived, I think in Atlanta. Wow. And so a lot of the older people that come in, we also help them a lot with their computer stuff because they do come in with questions about computers and stuff. And people don't realize we tend to think everybody's fairly adept at computers. But there is a lot of people that do not know how to use computers and need help with those. And we provide that help a lot of times.
1: Talk to me about the difference or how you all really modify and adjust the services you offer for rural patrons. Like how are rural library patrons different?
2: Uh, We tend to be more family and friends. It's odd because we do story times and all the people know each other. It tends to be groups of people, families that do it. We do homeschooling here that – we allow them to use two of our large rooms and they come in once a week and do art projects. They do history projects, different things in them. We act as a meeting room We we have the only free meeting rooms in our town Mm -hmm. and we're right downtown. We're a block from the main square of town and we're in a large historic building and we have room to have meetings. We have a large auditorium and those are just a few of the things we uh, we provide a lot of help when people come in and ask for help. We try to go out of our way to do what we can with homeless and different people in the community. Mm-hmm. We got and we offer our cards for free to anyone around us. Anybody in our surrounding counties and our county can get our cards for free. We do not charge, and we like Ed said we do not charge overdues in not in over six years.
1: Mm hmm. Now, I'm sure the people really and truly appreciate that. So we just got a snapshot of what it's like in a rural area and some of the help that they give to elders in the community. Now, let's learn what introducing children to the world of libraries is like. For that, I'd like to introduce my next guest. Pat Bashir is the Children's Services Manager for the Children's Department at the main branch of the Nashville Public Library. Pat, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Really, really appreciate you being here with us. So you know you're in charge of creating this wonderful library experience for kids. but I'm curious, what childhood memories do you have about going to the library?
3: <laughs> so I, my I come from Colombia originally, and I've been in the states for about thirty three years. Uh, by my experience with libraries was more at the university level. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you grew up in Colombia, the importance to um, public libraries is not the same one that is given here in the United States. Uh, it's changing slowly because I've gone to the libraries over there and learned some things from them. Um, and i have applied here in, with, with the Latino patrons. Mm-hmm. But um, when I grew up, It wasn't as important.
1: So you were introduced to libraries, public libraries, here through the college experience when you came here a few decades ago. What was it that, what was it about the library that made you fall in love with the system?
3: Well I always loved um, being in libraries and I worked a little bit in college and I really fell in love with libraries, Um, but I was always in love with reading And children. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best combination reading and children. So um, I, this is my second career. Um, And so I started after having children and having a family, I found a world that is family friendly. Mm -hmm. And so I love being in the library and mostly in the children's library because of my love and children and books. And so that's what brought me to this world. And then I found my passion.
1: Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Now, if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil lake We're talking this hour about the wonderful world of libraries with Pat Bashir and Brad Walker. Now, I've been told that the children's section of the main library downtown is kind of like a playground that puts the McDonald's play areas to shame. <laughs> Can you describe it for us? <laughs>
3: Yes. Yes. Um, you describe it really well. It's a playground. We have um, like a play place in the middle of the library and it's surrounded by books. Uh, and our, our goal was to introduce children to, children's to, book, to books uh, by using a fun element. And you know, children learn to, to play. And so that was our idea. And so we have several stations in the library. We have a train station where kids play with trains, another one with Tinker Toys, and another one with Legos. And it's it's really amazing to see the parents playing with the children and teaching them vocabulary and interacting with them uh, in the pretend play where they learn narrative skills. And so it's really amazing. And then we also have an alley where we have a space for twins, where we have several computers, and also we have two play tables that are digital. And then they have educational games where the kids can also sit and play with their parents. Uh, the playground in the middle, we call it the reading fort. And okay. then some kids go underneath and read with their parents, and it's just such a joy to see that yeah. for us librarians.
1: That's really cool.
3: Yeah, we also have a climbing wall uh, in there. You have a and climbing wall in the library. We do have a climbing wall in the library. Um and we are planning to do other things to make it also more inclusive. So we did a sensory wall so that kids that have sensory needs can use mm. can use the wall as well and, and and it's for everybody.
1: What about children whose first language is not English? How are they engaged?
3: So we are doing um we started with um, Spanish story times and we're doing it as an immersion for even children that are interested in learning a second language. Mm. And we had a good turnout. We started with a uh, Day of the Death uh, story time, mm-hmm. and we had about 90 people coming, uh, and most of them were Latino, uh, Spanish-speaking. Uh, but then we also have some American uh, families that uh, born here that want their kids to learn Spanish. So we do that. We also have talking books that are... Uh, in Spanish and so they read to the child while they uh, flip the pages mm-hmm. and um, we have audiobooks in Spanish we also have um, a collection of the different uh, genres in Spanish as well okay for them
1: that's wonderful now Brad what are the children's services like at your library Brad you still with us
2: yes okay sorry. Um, we opened our room up. It used to be in our basement, and we built on 14 years ago, and we've opened it up into a beautiful open room with lots of play areas, and we do weekly story times. We have a special needs story time that we've just started, and we do a mechatronics class on Monday nights once a twice a month. And um the children really love the room. We do a lot of work in there and try to keep the books as updated as possible. We do keep a lot of the Caldecott and uh, Newbery Award winners, simply because they're really nice books that don't go out out of style. But um, most of the books in the room are less than ten years old; most less than four. Mm-hmm. The biggest part of them.
1: Now, now but- I I understand you mentioned this earlier. I understand. you talked about people really from all over kind of flooding your library, the Magnus Public Library for because mm-hmm. they have an interest in
2: archives
1: and archival information. Oh, yes. What are those folks looking for?
2: Um, I was originally hired as a genealogist here thirty years ago. They come in hunting information about their families. We get a lot of people that come here that know their grandparents, great-grandparents came from here and just want to know some of the history about them, where they lived, what they did while they was here. And I helped for 18 years doing that in the genealogy room. And I met people from 50 states, I think 10 countries altogether in mm. about 18 years, because it's a big thing. It's even bigger now. But Amazon or um, Ancestry, people think that Ancestry kind of put an end to the libraries, having a hand in genealogy. But Ancestry, you can't check a lot of things on Ancestry to prove your lineage because we have people trying to prove into the dollars of the American Revolution, Sons of the American Revolution, Mayflower Society, Mm -hmm. lots of those Uh, clubs and things, and we can help provide the documentation. We do the century farms, which I don't know if they do that in Nashville, but the century farms are farms over a hundred years that have stayed within one family being worked. And we've helped put several of those uh, farms through so that those people have received the designation of century farm. Uh, And I'm sorry. go Go ahead. Go for it. Um, Our building is actually 90 years old. Mm. Our library is 110 years old. So we have one of the old historic buildings downtown and one of the oldest libraries in the state that was a free public library. And we have always strived to keep the history alive. I gave a tour this morning and was talking to the leadership group from the high school. We do them twice a year with a younger group and an older group from the lower schools and high school. I also do the young professionals and we well, the last place we stop is always the genealogy room. And we introduce them to some of the history of the area and the families that they're descended from.
1: Now, now, Pat, speaking of history, how do you incorporate historical lessons into the activities that you create for the kids?
3: So um, what we do is we try to do some um, books that are more fun and entertaining so that we can connect the kids to uh, the literature through fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we may do as uh, some STEAM lessons uh, for the older kids where we bring some of that nonfiction into the mix. We also have a homeschool program where we do a little more of like the nonfiction part where they would see biographies and historical stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's how we incorporate the more historical part. Where For um, black history, instead of focusing on history, we like to focus on black authors. And um, just uh, read books that are entertaining for the kids so that they uh, see that reading is fun. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is to connect kids through um, fun activities, connect them to reading through fun activities.
1: Now, earlier you said that this is your second career and you found your passion, you know, and you're smiling right now as you talk about these kids. How does it, what does it mean to you to be able to really open up a whole world and a universe of knowledge for so many children here in Nashville.
3: Oh, I can't can't even begin to tell you how exciting it is for me to be in this world and to connect families and children to these resources. And when you were talking about people that um, don't speak the language, we have so many resources for them. Um, and of course, I focus more on Spanish because Spanish is my first language. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we have um, we have databases that teach you English. And I tell the parents when they come to our story times, even if they don't speak, they they speak other languages, um, not just Spanish, but Arabic, Kurdish, all the other languages. Um, that they can learn and improve their English while they are in their story times. Mm-hmm. So just making a difference into the pa- parents' lives is is my goal. And so I advocate a lot for the Latino community. So I connect with other organizations like Conexion Americas. And then I go to their program called Parents as Partners or Padres Comprometidos, where they teach in Spanish the, the benefits that, MMPS resources can offer to the parents mm-hmm. and for the kids' education. And so making a difference in the kids is just so amazing. Um, we had a field trip from Mount View Elementary last week, uh, and they came and saw our Lego contest, which is a great— uh, it brings 1,500 people to the library mm-hmm. on average wow. uh, to see the Lego contest. And also these kids came to visit, and they were like, oh, my God, this is like a museum. And I said, honey, it's a library. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, I gave it a 100 out of 100. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, to, to hear these things from... Uh, Elementary school kid that is in second grade is just amazing.
1: That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Pat Bashir is Children's Services Manager at Nashville's Main Library, and Brad Walker is Director of Magnus Public Library in McMinnville. I want to thank you both for being with us today, and thank you. Keep doing what you're doing.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having thank us. You.
1: We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll explore some of the other cool things offered at the Nashville Public Library. Join the conversation and tweet us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been turning the pages on the world of public libraries here in Middle Tennessee and learning about some of the services they offer to the community. Yes, of course, we're talking about books, but that's not all. Sorry, am I being too loud for a library? Well, No, in fact. Modern technology and unique approaches have turned many libraries into centers of imagination and wonder. Their policies have changed as well. Let me tell you, I wish they would have done away with late fees 25 years ago, but you know, better late than never. Our main library branch downtown Nashville, it offers something rather special and really, really different. A recording studio, you heard me right. Studio NPL is a technology-driven learning environment for teens from 12 to 18. There, teens can learn how to produce and mix music. They can get into graphic design and other 21st century skills. Here with me now are two people who know Studio NPL well. Nick Tonioni is the manager, and DeAndre Thomas is a college student who participated in the program and now is a mentor. Nick DeAndre Thanks for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you, Kalia. Thank you. Thanks so, for having us. Really appreciate you both being here. So, Nick, you know, the intro for the segment, I mentioned only just a few of the things that Studio NPL offers. Tell us what else teens can learn there.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah. So obviously you brought up the recording studio, which is very cool, very proud of that fact. Um, I love bringing that sort of liveliness and frankly that noise into the library. Hmm. Uh, Photography, video production, we offer access to really powerful computers running professional grade software like the Adobe Suite. Uh, But also we've got this really great Maker Lab, vinyl cutters, a laser engraver, 3D printers are always whirling in the background. Basically our goal is to find... That technology that is out there that people are using in creative or uh, industries right now, for example, and bring that to our space so these young people can see it, sort of demystify it, and touch it, and play with it, and experiment with it, and and learn it, and make with it, and love it.
1: Is there a cost to the program? There
4: is not. Like everything at the library, we are free. I'm so proud of that fact and happy to be part of something that can provide things like this for free. It
1: sounds like the ultimate after-school program to me.
4: Oh, that it is. And it's a place, you know, like you can come up there and you can use a 3D printer. You can do some 3D design. You can work on a robot or you could cut an EP. But if you've also had a long day at school and you just need a place to kind of chill for a couple minutes, maybe do some homework or maybe just relax a little and do something a little bit of fun, because that's important for young people, too. Mm -hmm. We offer that.
1: Now, DeAndre, you took part in the program years ago. How did you find out about Studio NPL? Well, I found out about Studio MPL um, at the East Library branch.
5: Um, I went to East High School, and across the street, there's the East Library branch where Southern Word would have their pop up um, music production workshops. And through there, I found out there was a studio at the downtown library, and um, I was kind of pushed to go down there and check it out. So one day, I went down there after school, wrote the, the public transportation on down to the um, downtown <laughs> library. Yeah. And um, that's where it all, the magic started. What'd you make of it when you first thought? Well, I thought it was like, wow, I, I, there must be some adults here really cutting some EPs. I'm, I'm wondering where I can fit in <laughs> at some point. But um, no, and then I found out it was really open for all the students to come in and really express themselves once they get out of school and really learn skills that they wouldn't necessarily learn in school.
1: So, so you work in music production. Yes. Did you have any experience in producing music before you got
5: to Studio NPL? Not too much. Um, Most of my music production experience came from kind of working with, like, mobile apps and Mm -hmm. just fooling around with loops. But once I actually got there, that's where I learned actually creating things um, from scratch, learning how to use MIDI, learning how to track um, guitars and record bands and things
1: of that nature. All right. Now, you've been hanging out the studio since you were a sophomore in high school. We've got a clip of something you worked on when you first started hanging out there. Uh, Let's take a listen. That's pretty cool, man. Did your did your mentor help you out with that? Yeah. So he kinda winter, um, his
5: name is Jarrell Peterson. Shout out to him. Um, he taught me how to kind of be in the studio and work with logic. Um, in logic, you're able to create actual scores for music in logic and it'll turn whatever MIDI information you played and turn it into sheet music. Mm. So through that, I was applying for a scholarship. So I had to take I had to make my own orchestral piece so pretty much I didn't really have no experience doing that so I pretty much took one of my beats and just turned it into a a orchestral score and that's kind of what you heard there so I used to go um I did I went every Saturday for like a month and that's kind of where I got the name of Mr. Studio just being in there from that morning to afternoon trying to about that score so you still
1: yeah. go by mr studio now <laughs>
5: um well i guess so because i i recently just found out about that's that name <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: but um yeah that's really cool now you're you talked about your mentor helping you out with this but now you are mm-hmm. a mentor what inspired you to really dig in and to offer back to give back Well, I felt like it was just so important for me to have
5: that one-on-one time with an actual—somebody who's experienced in working in the industry that I'm into. So I feel like it's very important for me to provide that same experience onto um, younger folk who were once—who I was once in the same shoes as them. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, of course, Studio NPL isn't the only thing that makes our downtown branch unique. There's also— Special Collections to talk about. Elliot Robinson is a program specialist in the Special Collections Division. Elliot, Elliot, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So, you know, the biggest highlights, we talked about a little bit earlier, is the Civil Rights Room. It's where people can learn about the leaders, people in the moments from that time. What can someone expect when they walk into the Civil Rights Room for the first time? When you walk in for the first time, what,
6: what you'll see as you approach The room is a a glass wall with a quote on it from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it comes from uh, a speech that he gave at Fisk University during the sit-in campaign in 1960. And it says that he came to Nashville not to bring inspiration, but to gain inspiration from the great movement that is taking place in this community. Uh, He hailed the student nonviolent movement as the largest and most disciplined and most courageous uh, mass action nonviolent campaign that had gone on to that point. Uh, so what you see is that quote as you approach. And then when you walk into the room, you'll notice the centerpiece of our room, which is a, re- a replica lunch counter. It's circular, and it's in the center. Mm-hmm. And it has a timeline of history events on it, uh, both local and national, from the mid-'40s to probably the late-'60s. And also etched into the glass of the counter are the ten rules, uh, the five do's and don'ts that the students had to follow during the sit-in campaign. How so those you, are the most striking visual things that you'll see when you come in. How do you feel when you're in there? I feel, uh, wow, it varies from day to day. Mm. Uh, I do a lot of uh, pro, you know, presentations and engagements with students and uh, companies and churches and, and families. And, you know, sometimes the energy goes back and forth and there's a flow. Uh, but, but we get all kind of the whole gamut of emotions in the room. You might feel some some anger, some disappointment about the way things were. But you might also feel some some pride and some joy and some happiness that these things took place to uh, make America better. What are some of the other
1: archives that you have there?
6: Oh wow! Uh, we have a lot of smaller collections um, dealing with things such as Southern history and politics. Uh, people, of course, come to do a lot of Tennessee history uh, study and research, uh, genealogy, uh, microfilm, uh, old, old newspapers back to the 1800s. Uh, we've got a uh, you know a women's studies collection, a collection on theater and entertainment, local Nashville authors, even a small collection on bird watching. Mm. Uh, and this is then these are just the books that you can see. Uh, it doesn't count it take into account all of the. Uh, Things uh, tucked away in, in rooms, you know, f- papers and ephemera and, and and posters and photos and films and uh, all kinds of different things that are not book items. The, the, so the room gets a lot of visitors. Almost definitely. It's it's uh, the, the whole, I call it the research wing. It's uh pretty much one half of the second floor of the library.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Now, and the Civil Rights mm-hmm. Room on one end and the Votes for Women Room, which is another program, is the big space okay. on the other
1: end. Now, Nick Tonioni and DeAndre Thomas of Studio NPL are still with us. Have either one of you walked around the civil rights room?
4: Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, several times myself. Um, we've even recently, we filmed a uh, poet, the the youth poet laureate for the city through the Southern Word program. We actually used that sort of lunch counter backdrop to film uh, a, po- a poem that she was performing because it's a beautiful space. It's a very um, re- reflexive space, I would say, a good place to just kind of reflect. It's probably a powerful moment. Indeed. Now, you know, you
1: talked about like the teens being interested in the program at Studio NPL. I'm wondering, you know, not all not all the kids can get to downtown the main yeah. library very yeah. easily. Are you are you expanding? Are you going out to? You know, advertise the program to kids in different parts of the city, and then finding ways to bring them downtown.
4: Yes, and thanks for that. We it it's become increasingly more difficult, I think, for young people to navigate downtown for you know reasons we're all aware of, mm-hmm. and uh, so we've done we've. We've gone out into the community, we have some satellite branches, like at the East Branch that Dre was talking about earlier, Madison, Southeast, and a few other branches. But also our outreach program is reaches about half of our participants, so about half we see at our downtown branch, about half is through our outreach. And our outreach program is out there three, four times a week going to community centers, parks. Uh, schools. In fact, I've got some team members right now up at uh, in Goodlitzville, I believe, doing a program. Okay. Um. So we're out there in schools. We're out there in community centers. We've done stuff in church basements. We've done stuff at apartment complexes. Um. Just anywhere that we know young people are, we can take our programming to them. Mm-hmm.
1: How important is that to be, you know, multifaceted in that in that aspect?
4: Oh, that's huge. And for me, as a National Public Library employee, I feel like. One of our jobs is to get the library out of the library and get it into the community. So that's like every day when I think about how we could be serving our community a little bit more. It's like, how do we take this? How do we take this recording studio or take this 3D printing program or or this literacy program and bring it out to the community and meet them where they're at?
1: All right. You meet them where they're at. And then you get people like DeAndre. Now, we talked about Studio NPL helping you discover your passion for music. But it's something here's something we heard what you made earlier. In your time there, but we've got something pretty recent from you that you did with the artist Be Real. Not to be mistaken with Be Real from Cypress Hill. Let's listen. <laughs> Don't really
5: know what I'm going to do. Reliving all the days that we have been to. Girl, you know exactly how to change my mind I'm in the I see. Yo. You look too strong, I'm in the I see. Yo. You care too much, I'm in the I see. Yo. You next to me. I see you, but do you see me too, too, too? yeah, do you
1: see me too, too? All right. We can definitely hear the growth and the maturity in your style and music. You know, what do you notice when you contrast the music that you're making now to what you did at Studio NPL when you kind of first got started?
5: Um, Well, for me, it kind of reminds me that It it reminds me that I've always had that vision in myself, that I knew that I I have the potential to be where I am today, and it really just empowers me to keep moving forward, that progression is possible, no matter how you're feeling one day that inspiration may not be coming to you, or if the days where you're typing and just nothing's working out. Progression is always possible. There's always another day to
1: try again and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Now, would you recommend Studio NPL to any young person with a curious mind? I highly recommend it. I think that
5: it's important to experiment and find what you enjoy doing, because I think that's important for youth to experiment and figure out what they want to do and make mistakes and find out what doesn't work for them so they can eventually find what does. So I think that was very important for me because I feel like if I didn't, I wouldn't have had the confidence in myself to try to experiment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I didn't experiment, I
1: wouldn't be the man I am today. That's right. That's right. Now, Elliot, tell us what can we expect coming from the Special Collections Department in the future at the library? Coming from the Special Collections Department in the future. Oh,
6: wow. I, I would uh, hope that one of the things we would be able to do is to be able to digitize our oral history collection. Uh, we have uh, several different collections, actually, of oral histories. Um, Civil rights, of course. Uh, there's a Flood 2010 collection, Music Row, uh, Big Wig collection, uh, Business Owners of Nashville, things like that. So that would be something that, that we would like to see one day that, as, as a dream.
1: Yes. To keep that all, all those voices documented for voices. perpetuity in right. history. I want to thank you all so much for being with us. My guests were Elliot Robinson, program specialist of the Special Collections Division at the Nashville Public Library, and DeAndre Thomas, who is a mentor at Studio NPL. He was joined by Nick Tonioni, the Studio NPL manager. Thank you all again for being with us, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Next week. We'll talk about the $2 billion plan for a new Titan Stadium on the East Bank and answer your questions this is nashville as a production of wpln news and nashville public radio listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts our producers are steve farouche rose gilbert and magnolia mckay our digital lead is anna gallegos cannon michaela elias is our technical director our executive producer is andrea tutho the masterminds behind our theme music olorange and namir blade special thanks to Jamie Ritter. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And be good to each other.